At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is the lombardi line with michael lombardi and patrick maher on vsin All right, Lombardi line as we say hi. Welcome you in on a Saturday. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point. How you doing? Hope you're having a good set. Now, we're just, now as we head out to the Borgata and say hi, I'm Michael Lombardi. I'm doing math. 24 hours Uh from now is 7 a.m. tomorrow. Then you add, we're right around, I don't know, 33 hours away from, yeah, Yeah, something like that. How are we feeling today? The question we're feeling great, but I was driving over here to the Borgata, and the number one thing I think, and Thomas Gable just gave me this sheet of all these uh, prop bets, right? You know what's missing on the prop bets? What's that? I'm really disappointed in, in Jimmy Vaccaro and, and, and our man Vinny and everybody, Chrissy Andrews. How many hot dogs is that lady going to sell tomorrow? <laughs> right? Oh, right? What's the over and under on those hot dogs she's going to sell in that cart? Now, people that are listening at home or watching this, you know, right next to where Patrick's sitting yes. is this hot dog cart. And it's about 20 yards down from the studio. And, it's, and, 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 and she starts about 1030. She starts and those dogs come out. You can't resist the smell. I mean, for a fat guy like myself, you can't resist the smell. Even for skinny guys, you can't. So that smell starts to permeate all through. The, and even though you've got smoke in the casinos and, you know, all that, you can smell the doggies. It, it's, a cam then, make, it's a cam maker's 10-yard run from me right here. That's where it is. It's just yeah, sitting exactly. right here. Exactly. And you won't fumble on the way over there. And then you just wait in the line, and then you're going to get – you know, I mean, it's like so perfect. Like, why? I mean, this, there's nothing better than that. I don't know. Yeah, I think I, it's, that's a good, it's like a buck you. and a quarter, too, for each dog. It's cheap. It's brilliant. You know, and I'm going to get Gable to see if we can go into business. We can get Berman over there. He could sell the dogs. We could have, like, a three-man team over there right outside, the, right outside of this book. <laughs> you would kill it. You put that smell through a damn casino. Don't laugh, Stephen Bond. I mean, you want in on this, too. Trust me. If, you, if we wanted to raise capital, you'd be putting money up. What, 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 if I fumble, I'll still be hungry. By the way, what's, uh, what's, <laughs> what's, what's, what's gotten into you? you were, now, that was, it looked like a very top-secret call. Was that a call that can help us with our betting? on Super Bowl 56 that was going on before the show? What's happening, my man? No, that was a family call. A lot of things going on in the family that I'm not allowed to discuss, that I have been sworn to secrecy that, you know, you do that show, you know, and you you start saying stuff, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm not allowed to say anything. So, you know, I have to protect myself. Okay. And so, anyway. I won't get you in trouble. I won't get you in trouble. What a great guest list this network's had. I mean, tremendous, tremendous guest list. Yeah, we should. 
should. We should give credit. You know, 56 hours of programming started yesterday, right around 4 o'clock our time. We had, you and I are going to try to chip away two hours today. Then tomorrow we'll give two hours. Right after that, Billy Walters and Brent Musburger, which is so anticipated. I cannot wait for the one-hour sit-down with the white whale of betting. I mean, he's the Michael Jordan of betting and Billy Walters and, of course, Brent Musburger, a legend. Then we continue our coverage, Michael, all the way through the Super Bowl. Follow the money's going to follow the Super Bowl. So this coverage is wild, and we have to give credit. You mentioned Dustin Sweetelson, everybody, Stephen Bond, everybody behind the scenes that's done a hell of a job booking all these guests and making this special. Yeah, they opened up the Rolodex. I mean, some powerful Rolodex on there. It's inc it's impressive. I, I, it really is. So, you know, I, I'm excited. I can't wait for the Billy Walters interview. I really can't. I, I, I got to tell you, you know, just he's a fascinating character, and it is a character. And a lot of people have been trying to get to Billy Walters because when he went away over the Phil Mickelson inc incident that happened, and you could read about it online and all that, about he got insider trading on a, on a supermarket stock, I believe. And credit to Brian Musburger and Bill A.D. They've been on him. They've been trying to get him on the network for six years, and they finally got him, and it's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible, and our network just becomes lifted up from it. The best sports better, the most respected sports better in history has given one interview, and that was 11 years ago, to 60 Minutes, and now he's back, and we got him here on VEASAN. And I don't want to forget anybody, Goulet and Rogers and AD, everybody. This has been a, a wonderful production, our sixth year doing this here at VEASAN. Uh, you mentioned the guest list, so let's do this. We got Rich Gannon coming up, who you know very well. We've got yep. Mike Martz coming up, and then we got a guy that I know that you're excited about. That's Michael Simon, the celebrity chef. Yeah, well, but the only reason we got him is because Millie was able to book him. It was had nothing to do with me. Seriously. Thank you, Millie. It was all about Millie. <laughs> yeah, it was all Millie, 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 all that. Yeah, so that's why we got the great Michael Simon. And, you know, I, I think there's one thing, you know, you meet people in all different walks of life in this industry. And when you meet somebody that you see on television quite a bit, and they seem like such a nice person. And then I had Stevie Van Zandt on my podcast, and Stevie Van Zandt said, you know, I never felt more disappointed in my life when I, when I really liked somebody, and then I met him, and they really weren't a nice person. Michael Simon is truly one of the most genuinely nice people you could ever possibly meet. Huge football fan, Huge Browns fan, grew up fan. in Cleveland. Yeah. Huge sports fan and a draftnik and a certifiable draftnik. I mean, you know, if I would have met Michael when I was at Hofstra, we probably would have been on that on that train headed to New York to stand in line at the Sheridan to get in to see the draft because he loves the draft. Well, he would know that this is the second time the number one overall picks at quarterback have faced off against one another in the Super Bowl. Burrow, remember, in 20, Michael, 09, Matthew Stafford, number one out of Georgia, the Lions. You know the other time it happened? No, tell me. It was Cam and Peyton in 17. There you go. It's there just go. its surprising it hasn't happened more. Um, before we get into the meat of the show, quickly, we're back to four, okay? And by the way, some of the juice, and remember for a better, the juice kind of lets you know which way the side is going in the, in, in the total as well. Some of the juice is headed to three and a half. Uh, Westgate's oh, down to it. even money on the four. And then we got 48 and a half on the total. So just setting you up, we got 49 officially listed here for our total. And you're at 185 on the money line. Here at the Borgata, we're at 200 on the money line. And Thomas Gable's going to finish the show up today with a little bit of how you can work and maneuver around the money line. Fascinating stuff for betters. And I, and I urge you, to everyone, to listen to that because it'll help you on the money line. And also urge you to go to our help desk. And, and yes. if you have any questions about betting and all that, I think it's important that people will help you out and, and kind of get you a way to maximize. I know I was reading through some of the questions today from Bill A.D. and somebody had a, had a, a 
had bet a 25 to 1 ticket on the Bengals winning the Super Bowl. Remarkable that they did that. And how do they make sure that they make money if the Bengals don't win? It isn't all or nothing. So I'm really looking forward to that today yeah. as well. We, we're going to get a lesson from the bookmaker, Thomas Gable, who runs the race and sports book there at the Borgata. And you mentioned a new feature this year. You can go to vston.com, the help desk. It's so I was looking through some of the questions as well. Very astute questions, Michael, coming from yeah. the audience. And just it's it's listen, I'm just excited about what's happening here. We've got Billy Walters, we've got Michael Lombardi, we've got the help desk, we've got a lot. And before we move forward, can I just set you up on where we were sitting a year ago today? So because yeah. sometimes when you take a look and you think about how your perspective and confirmation bias and all of that, it helps you when you're on the other side. Remember, Super Bowl 55 last year down in Tampa, the Chiefs ended up closing lane three and the total ended up closing 56, Michael. The Tampa Bay Bucks, the dogs, 31-9 outright winner and that stayed under the posted total. Can we talk about what you thought going in? what you felt coming out, and maybe we can apply it to this year's Super Bowl as well. Well, I think it's a great lesson to go back and look. So we saw the Bucks, and, you know, we knew the Bucks had struggled during the month of November. And, you know, they, beat, they got beat by the Rams, and the Chiefs went in there and beat them 27-24. to 24. Wasn't as close as the game of that. Remember, the, the, the Bucks scored late in that game to kind of close and cover the spread. So, but then we saw the, the Bucks kind of get hot in December and into January without any fans in the stands. Struggled to beat Washington, but did win the game. And then they got really hot in the playoff run, right? You know, they get really hot in the playoff run. They go into New Orleans. They're losing that game. And then Jared Cooks fumbles. And all of a sudden, that game turns around completely. You know, part of that game, too, you know, we can talk about the Cook fumble. But if you go back and watch the game closely, the Saints have two opportunities early in the game. First and goal inside the 10, they kick field goals. Killer, killer at that point. Yep. Then they travel to Green Bay. And their defense was able to create some problems. Their pass rush really got to Aaron Rodgers. I thought it was one of a, a really a poor job by Matt LaFleur and their coaching staff of helping out that offensive line, which was debilitated at that point. And then they get to the Super Bowl. And that's a defensive line. Then momentum carried them in. I think it's a little different for the Bengals this year. Yes, they've been on the same trajectory. They've been hot. They got hot late in the season. And they've won those games. Their defense has played well. But they've given up a lot of yards. They average five. They've given up 5.9 yards. And the fact that they've played so much less defense. I mean, they're only averaging 27 minutes of defense, and they're giving up almost six yards per play, which to me is significant. And they're facing a team that's really good at controlling the football. They're facing a team tonight, tomorrow that has averaged 50% on third down. Remarkable, right? Yeah. So they're, they're, and they control the ball 35 minutes. So this is a game that both teams walk into and say, we don't want to play much defense. We don't want to play much defense. To me, the difference in this game than last year is this, the Rams are playing great defense. 18% on third down. They're keeping people out of the end zone. Their offense is building the lead. You could see the aggressiveness immediately in the Rams when they get the football, whether it was in Tampa, whether it was with the Cardinals. Frankly, they started slow in San Francisco, but you could see their goal is to get to get play from in front, which is why they've scored 47 points in the first half and only allowed 13. That's a great recap, Michael Lombardi. You know, the offense of line was a theme last year with that defense of the Bucks humiliating makeshift that it was a makeshift offense if we're being fair with the Chiefs throughout there but that continues to be a theme this year right with the offensive line there with the Bengals right and I think I missed a big caveat is the fact that Eric Eric Fisher got hurt in yeah, the Green right. Bay game I mean, he got hurt in the in in the game against Tennessee, I believe it was, right? It, no, excuse me, Buffalo. It was the Buffalo, Buffalo game. 
Yep. And that offensive line, no, we don't have that. Now, they put Tyler Higby on IR today, so we know he's not going to play. But there's nothing else that's going to affect this game that's injury debilitating, like those injuries to to the Chiefs' offensive line last year, which really affected them at both tackle positions. Yeah, Schwartz and that's was what out, happened. too. Yeah, you nailed it. So if, if you carry it over and say bad lines don't win Super Bowl games, that would lead you to the Rams to take to lay the points. That halftime score last year, Michael, 21-6 Tampa Bay. No points scored in the fourth quarter of Super Bowl 55. I don't know yeah. what that means. Just wanted to throw it out there either. because it's... But, and, I love it. And by the way, the Chiefs on the money line, we're sitting 185 here. Your $2 there at the Borgata. The Chiefs closed minus 165, so $1.65 to win a dollar last year. And the comeback, the winner, the Bucks, plus 145. So very interesting stuff as we now move forward. Super Bowl 56 is coming up, and we've got you covered right here. Lombardi Line, VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, the horse racing, it don't stop, and we've got you covered. Express bet analyst Jeff Siegel, who's doing a great job. Santa Anita today, race one. Jeff likes the one horse, split the double at three to one on the morning line at Golden Gate Fields in race eight. That's up in the bay. Jeff has number two horse, McKinnon, on top at eight to five. You can bet these races and more using First Bet, the preferred horse betting app, VSIN. Okay, sign up now. First Bet using the code Vegas1000 for an instant $10 free and you get up to a $1,000 bonus. Go to vcin.com slash horses for details. That's vcin.com slash horses. We got you back here. Super Bowl 56 coming up tomorrow. We got you covered here on vcin. 56 hours of coverage started yesterday. The coverage has been awesome. We got a lot of surprises coming for you as well. So hang in there. Uh, Lombardi line. Presented by BetMGM. You know, this is, I heard you and Steven discussing this. Let's go there. So the teams wrapped up their media availability last night, Michael. And Sean McVay, who's 36 years old, he gave an interesting quote. Uh, I'm going to summarize, but essentially he talked about work-life balance. And he said, I don't want to be doing this when I'm 60. The bottom line is McVay, he wants to go into TV. Remember, his mentor in a way was John Gruden who had that similar path. Um, It it sounded like McVay had other, I guess, ideas moving forward as far as head coaching and TV. Well, I, you know, there's always there's been a lot of buzz through the coaching grapevine, you know, and, and this is the same kind of buzz when Sean Payton that I was hearing about Sean Payton, you know, that maybe McVay will go take the Monday night football job. And, 
you know, whether he wants to do that or not. But I think, to me, he's getting married this summer in Paris. And I think there is, you know, if he can win this, right, what's the future of the Rams? You've given away all your draft picks, right? You're kind of, where are you going? How do you come in for an encore? I mean, he doesn't have my way to play. Like, you know, he's not coming back on stage and singing, you know, you know, Stairway to Heaven. I mean, like, it's just this, what's he going to do? Like, how's he going to work this out? He's got a bunch of free agents. He's got no cap room. You know, a little bit like Sean, he's looking at it and saying, how do I do this? How do I make an encore? And, you know, I, I think to me that that along with, hey, I've been trying to, you know, trying to balance my life, which I know no balance in. But, you know, the NFL is not a balanced world. I mean, it just isn't. This profession, you give up something to get something back. It's because of your love. So I've been hearing this conversation and I could see if he wins this, I could easily see that he says, OK. I'm, I'm going to go take a step back. I'm going to go do football five, six years, knowing I could always come back in the league whenever I wanted. And a Super Bowl would certainly make him feel more comfortable walking away a little early, no? You know, I, I think both ways, though. I think to me, you know, if you lose a Super Bowl, I don't think there's any – look, trust me, I haven't gotten over the one we lost in 02. So you don't get over it. And, and to climb back up that mountain again is a challenge. It's really hard. You know, most people that lose a Super Bowl, they think, oh, we'll get back here again next year. It's no problem. No, it's really hard. It's a hard problem. I mean, look at the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, it's a hard problem. You know, look at the Buffalo Bills trying to knock on the door in the conference championship games, haven't been able to do it. It's a hard problem to solve. So I, I think ultimately, if he loses, it might even make him want to do it less because he knows what lies ahead. No draft picks, got to sign all these guys, have no cap room. You know, the owner's expecting to win because he's invested all this money into the team. We'll always have Paris. A kiss is but a kiss. You must remember this. this is, but he's a, he'll be a free man in Paris. We can just sing Joni Mitchell here. Why not, you know? You seem like a big Paris guy. Par You've been to Paris, no? I've never been to Paris. No, I've never been to Paris. I would love to go to Paris and, and go through some of those neighborhoods. I've read a lot of books about Paris during the war. I've read a lot of books about Paris after the war. You know, all the artists that lived in Paris, whether it was Picasso, Hemingway, all that. I've, I've read a lot about that. Seemed like an interesting a melting pot. Almost the Echo Park of Europe, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nice... <laughs> nice way to round that out. <laughs> okay, here is uh, Sean McVay talking about learning from his past experiences in the Super Bowl. You look at yourself in the mirror, you take accountability, and then you keep it moving. Uh, you know, I, I think as a competitor, you have to be able to handle those tough moments, and uh, I'll never run away from the fact that I didn't do a good enough job for our team, um, you know, within what I feel like, you know, my role and responsibility is to these guys. I think you say, okay, if you had it differently, you know, what are the things that you learn as far as the decision-making, the adjustability, the ability to be totally in the moment during the game and be able to make those adjustments quicker? I think that's pretty forthright. His offense was terrible, and the adjustments were never made in that Super Bowl. He happened to be going against a guy that's pretty good defensively, schematically, uh, but I think it's fair. Yeah, I think he didn't. I, I think he didn't really prepare for the what ifs. You know, I think he went in there thinking, okay, I can run this, and they're not going to really stop it. We're better than they are. You know, and I, and I think you have to always have contingency plan, B, A, B, C, and D. you got to have a back door. you got to little B, B like Foghorn Leghorn. you got to be able to number all your feathers to get them back into the right place, right? And so I, I think that's ultimately what happened. He went into the game thinking Bill was going to do A, Bill did D, and then he didn't really think fast enough on his feet to go to D. This is what makes great coaches. This is why – I think the Raiders are going to be so fortunate with Josh McDaniels because 
he's really good at that. I mean, in the first quarter, McDaniels is going to be able to process and understand what he needs to do to win the game at that moment. That's a rare thing to have in pro football. I think McVay has learned from that mistake. There's no doubt about that. And I think this will benefit him in this game. And if you're Zach Taylor, you're going to have to do the same thing. So football is so much a game of adjustments. It's so much about how do we practice, how does it relate to the first quarter, and what do we need to do as we move forward and think about it. You know, and there's that great scene where Bill Walsh and Joe Montana are both kneeling on the grass trying to figure out. Actually, in that photograph that the great Michael Zagaris took, that's one of the greatest pitchers, I think, of the NFL history, is they were actually drawing up a play to run in the, in the next play based on what the adjustments were they were seeing in the game. So, to me, this is what it's all about. And I think McVeigh will be much better in this because there's no way the Bengals have enough in their arsenal to be able to kind of alt alter what the Rams want to do defense offensively because the Rams can play right or left-handed. They can run it and they can throw it. Super Bowl 55, the head coach matchup, the oldest in history, Arian 68, Reed 62. This year, we've got the youngest head coaching matchup in the Super Bowl, McVay 36, and his pupil, yeah, I said it, Taylor is 38. The familiarity there, how do you cap that, Michael, with the two of them? Well, I think, you know, look, it's it's really he's going to what Sean's going to be able to do is walk into Raheem and say, look, this, you know, here's my experience with Zach. Here's what I know Zach really wants to do. And, and then, you know, Zach's going to walk into Lou Amararo. Is that how you say it? You nailed it. Lou Amararo. Yeah, he's going to say, look, here's the way Sean approaches the game plan. Like, for example, if you were going to play the Raiders with John Gruden, and I, and I went over and talked to the defensive coordinator, I would say, look, he's going to want to get into formations that you don't have a lot of blitz calls in. 22, 12, whatever it is. And then he's going to want to try to throw the ball out of formations. That's kind of how he processes it. He wants to reduce the blitz calls to then throw the ball out of that. Okay, great. So now you work on that. And that's kind of the conversation. That's kind of how, you know, every coach approaches the game slightly different on how they set up the game plan. So I, I think ultimately that's the information that's going to get exchanged back and forth. And then how they call the game. I mean, McVay's going to be able to say, look, this is how they call This is Zach's going to want to do this. And then you've got to watch all the tape. I mean, Zach was really disciplined in the championship game of, of trying to slow the game down, trying to get the run game going, not making it a 80-pass game because he knew he couldn't really block him up front in that situation. Ran the ball way too much on first down. But I think that's kind of what he felt like he had to do in the game. Yeah, I've got a lot. We've got a lot prepared, uh, Bond, behind the scenes as well on the running game coming up. I, I, the run game, I think, is going to play an integral part uh, in Super yeah. Bowl 56. The tendencies, there has to be, all human beings have tendencies. So McVay and Taylor have to be kind of scouring their minds for the other's tendency, no? No, I mean, and look, and, and let's put, let's look, Zach Taylor's been in a game plan room with, with Sean McVay. Right. So when you've been in that room, you know how he's going to approach the game, how he's going to want to set up the game plan, how he's thinking of what he wants to accomplish, you know, and then what, where does that lead us to? I think he's going to go in the game anticipating that the Bengals are going to play a lot of cover seven. You know, I know we had Matthew Berry on yesterday, and he thinks they're going to – I think they're going to come in and just – I think they're going to try to play a lot of cover two, and they're going to try to run the ball. They're going to force the Rams to try to run the ball. Force them to run the ball, kind of slow the game down a little bit, which helps both sides of their team, and then limit the big shots, limit the over routes, limits the down-the-field throws as best they can, and not have one or two play drives scoring, and then force as many third downs as you can. 
let's say we get them in a 15 third downs and we can win at 38% on third down, now we got a chance to win the game. If we get them in 15 third downs and they convert 10 of them, we're going to lose the game. We're going to get former MVP Rich Gannon's take on Super Bowl 56 next. In a minute here, do you want to set us up on Rich Gannon? Your thoughts? 0-2 MVP. Well, it's just tremendous. I mean, he's, uh, you know, the, you go over his career, and, and my career with, with Rich Gannon started when I was carrying Bill Walsh's books. No book bags back in this 1986. We didn't have them. You know, even though in Back to the Future that McFly was carrying a book bag, uh, I didn't have one. But I'm carrying Bill's books. And Bill stops short in the Indianapolis Hoosier Dome and says, who's that guy down there, Michael? And he points to Rich Gannon. And I said, oh, that's Rich Gannon from the University of Delaware. And he looks at me and he says, make sure Holmgren goes and works him out. And we <laughs> go off. And that's how I met Rich Gannon. If you're, if you're pointed out by Bill Walsh, You've done something right in life, no? He pointed he you out. He saw it immediately. It took a while to get his career to where it was, but Bill saw it immediately. Hey, can we get, this is for Brian Musburger and Bill AD. Can we get Michael Lombardi a VEASAN Jansport backpack? Stat. Yeah. <laughs> Rich Cannon's next. Talk at Super Bowl 56. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, so we talked about it coming up tomorrow. Billy Walters, the Michael Jordan, you see it there, great picture. Michael Jordan of sports betting sits down with VSIN's Brent Musburger. You've heard of him. It's a full interview right after the Lombardi Line tomorrow, Sunday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. This is the first interview Billy Walters has given. It's actually the second ever, but the first in 11 years since 60 Minutes. So the exclusive interview is only available at VSIN. And again, vsin.com. You can go to vsin live on Twitter to check out a little clip of it. It's They did a great job putting this together. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher here in Vegas. We're going to be joined by a league MVP now. And as we say hi to Rich Gannon, Michael just told the story. He said 1987. He was hanging out with Bill Walsh. You've heard of him, Rich. And Bill Walsh pointed to you and said, whoever that guy is, make sure we have Holmgren work him out. So if you've got Bill Walsh looking at you, man, you did something right. Welcome to the show. Patrick, it's great to be with you guys. And, Michael, it's always good to be with you, buddy. You know, I remember that. Mike Holmgren came down to the field house in Newark, Delaware, worked me out, and I thought, you know what? I got a chance to get drafted by the 49ers. And a couple days before the draft, I find out that the 49ers traded for Steve Young. I thought to myself, well, maybe not. <laughs> Turned out okay. Turned out okay for the 49ers, though. <laughs> Yeah, you know what's funny, Rich, and this is what's so fascinating about the draft and player development. Had we drafted you, you went in the fourth round to the Patriots. They're trying to make you a free safety, immediately traded you to Minnesota because they were going to play you a quarterback. Uh, had you gotten there with Bill, you, your career would have been taken off immediately. And it's just, you know, the fit, the fit was perfect for you in San Francisco, and unfortunately we just didn't get it done. But it, it took you, you off once you got to I almost had a chance to get back. So after I finished in Washington in 1993, I had shoulder surgery. I was out of surgery. I was out of football a year, and then I went and worked out for George Seifert and the 49ers. And there was a chance that they were going to sign me. And they had Elvis Gerbach at the time behind Steve Young, and and Steve was kind of getting uh, getting up there, and they're looking for you know some depth at that position. And then I went up signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. Anyway, I got a chance to go out there and work out against the 49ers. That's when Mark Tressman took over as the offensive coordinator uh, and that staff out there. So anyway, it didn't work out, but 
I played against the Niners a bunch of times, if that matters. <laughs> well, and it worked out. Rich Gannon, of course, league MVP, joins us here on the Lombardi line. In 03, now 02 season into 03, when you and the Raiders advanced to the Super Bowl, I rem- that was a week in between, right? The conference champion. Like, Rich, what, how would you differ the two weeks that they're dealing with now and the week that you had in between? Is there an advantage to either? Oh, I think so. I mean, I, I just can't imagine. And the one-week turnaround was brutal. And, you know, I think you, you think about all that has to take place with tickets and travel and hotels and family, and it's, it's a huge distraction. And on top of that, we're an older team, as, as Michael knows, and so we went down there, and, of course, a lot of, a lot of us didn't behave, and so that, that certainly didn't help. And then we went out on the field to warm up, and it was really hot. It was really hot and humid down there in San Diego, which kind of was surprising for that time of the year. But we, we caught a hot day, which didn't help. And we got off to a bad start. We made some bad decisions. We turned the ball over. And, you know, when you, when you make mistakes in a game like that, Michael will tell you, they're magnified. In other words, you're turning the ball over to most likely a, a good good offense, a good quarterback, a good play caller. And there's going to be a there's going to be a significant penalty, and and you know you just you got to play you have to go out and play a clean have to have a clean performance, and that's really the key for Burrow and Stafford this week. I mean, ball security is at a premium in a game like this. Rich, take us through when you watch Joe Burrow and you see him be able to get hit nine times and still make his eye level down the field. What are your thoughts watching him play? Michael, you know, it's, I think it's uncanny. I mean, you go on the road to Nashville against a pretty good defense. You get sacked nine times. You still find a way to win. Next week, you go to Arrowhead. You fall behind by 18. And you come back. I mean, I, I don't like the comparisons. You know, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about his demeanor with Joe Montana, the cool, calm, collected guy. But he, he's got incredible poise, incredible toughness, incredible confidence. And the thing is, I went back and watched the, the game tape of, of that performance against the Titans because I, I just said, I, I had to watch this guy speak. Because a lot of times when you, when you get, I always say, if you, have a, if you have a good quarterback and you knock him around, he becomes an average quarterback. You have an average quarterback, you knock him around, he becomes a poor quarterback. And this guy, he, tr- he still trusted the protection. He sits in there with a tough jaw. He trusts his feet. Uh, and I think that's unusual. Usually when you get a quarterback, he gets knocked around a little bit in the pocket. He starts getting a little antsy. He starts, he starts you know, flushing and getting out of the pocket. He starts throwing the ball quickly. He starts, you know, not trusting the protection. And, Michael, as you point out, his eyes start to drop a little bit. He starts looking at the rush. And this guy, I'll tell you what, he, he, he's, uh, he's got some real toughness to him. He just sits in there. And uh, he's like a big, he's like a, he's like a big heavyweight fighter. You know, you knock him around, you knock him around. He's still there in the fifteenth round. Rich Gannon joining us here on the Lombardi Line. Then conversely, you know, Rich, when you got with the Raiders, that was the right spot for you. How about Matthew Stafford, year thirteen? He lands with the Rams, right spot. What are your expectations for Matthew Stafford, the vet, tomorrow? I think he'll play well. And you know, it's been kind of a Cinderella story for him. First twelve years in Detroit. Uh, doesn't win a playoff game, doesn't go to a lot of playoff games. There's been so, there was so much, I think, dysfunction. You know, when you have a quarterback and you're constantly changing things up around the quarterback, you've got a new play caller, you've got a new head coach, you've got a new offensive line, you've got new personnel around you, and a new system, it, it's tough. And I think he, he, he hung in there. He was a very productive player. Uh, I think at times he, he became overly aggressive because he was always playing from behind. 
But he goes to the Rams. He gets with Sean McVay, who's one of the best young minds in the NFL. I think Sean sees the game through the eyes of the quarterback. And I think it's been a, a, a perfect fit. He, he's taken advantage of the opportunity, guys. This is the best supporting cast that he's had. The best offensive line he's played with. Certainly the best group of receivers. Uh, he's got a tight end when healthy. can be really productive. they got a bunch of backs at the shell, of course, at Acres. These guys that can tote the rock a little bit. And, and I just think that even the defense, I mean, think about the defense that he's playing with. I don't know that he's ever played with a defense like that in Detroit. You know, when you watch that Tennessee game, did you get the sense that, you know, I know some of those sacks, when you watch the tape, did you get the sense that Burrow really didn't have any options, that, that basically they just were in the wrong protections for the wrong blitz? Mike, I think you're right. I think there were some protection issues. I think there were some communication issues. You don't get sacked nine times and not raise your hand in the quarterback room the next day and say a couple of them are on me. I mean, I think, you know, at times I think he's, so he led the National Football League in completions of 50 yards or more. This guy wants to push the ball down the field. He's got an aggressive mindset. At times, you know, it gets him in trouble. But I think, I think Michael, you'd agree, it's a very, very mediocre offensive line at best. I think this weekend, in order for them to have a chance, I mean, the tight end's got to be involved in protection. Joe Mixon's going to be involved in protection. They've got to do some different things. I mean, that, that to me is the challenge. And you know, you know, Michael, from being around it so long, I mean, when you sit, in that, you sit in that meeting room early in the week, the first thing we talk about is protection. And this week, yeah. it starts with 99. You, you better have a plan for Aaron Donald. And then to make matters worse, you've got to handle Von Miller on the one edge. You've got Leonard Ford on the other. Just that really good pass rush that the Bengals are going to have to be, deal with. And I think that to me, if you say to me, what's the difference in the game? I think these teams are fairly evenly matched. It could go either way, but I look at I look at the Rams' ability to be disruptive with their pass rush that could be the, the difference in this game. Okay, Rich, it is prediction time. You mentioned evenly matched. The Rams here in Vegas are a four-point favorite. Let's get a prediction on the game from Rich Gannon. I think it, I think it'll be closer than that. You know, we talk about if it came down to a kick. I mean, it'd be it'd be hard pressed to bet against Evan McPherson. The guy's been perfect for the postseason, ten of ten. But I'm going to go with the Rams for 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 the reason I just previously mentioned. I just think their pass rush is it, it, it can be really disruptive. You got a guy that can push the pocket up inside. You got guys that can come screaming off the edge. And I think that's going to that's going to create some havoc and maybe a turnover or two. Uh, that the Rams could take advantage of. I'll take the Rams by by less than a field goal. Guys, I think it's going to be a really close game. All right. That's perfect. Exactly what it. we needed. That is uh, an MVP, it. Michael, that's gone on to a hell of a career, CBS Sports and Sirius XM. Uh, thank you, Rich Gain. Appreciate you. Rich, thank you so guys, much. Appreciate you, Rich. You guys, you're the best. Thanks. See you back. See you back in OC, Rich. you got to get back here. He's a, we're we're, we're, uh, we're uh, neighbors here. <laughs> he is... First off, he's a he's a hell of a, a broadcaster. That O2 season, yeah. Michael, that O2 season was awesome. It was great. And and, and 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 really Bill Callahan and Mark Trestman both deserve a ton of credit because we changed the offense and we spread it out. We let Gannon kind of run the game. He was the point guard, you know, with an older Timmy Brown and an older Jerry Rice. And, you know, we had Jerry Porter as the third receiver played in the slot. We had Roland Williams at tight end. And then we had the great, great Charlie Gardner. The back always makes the spread. People confuse that. They think it's always the receivers. No, it's that back that makes it. And Gardner was dynamic.
Charlie Gardner was special. Oh man, that's a blast. Really that, that just that just gave me like kind of deja vu. Yeah. He, he he special back. Let's talk about the backs coming up. Henderson off the IR. He's in. Higby has gone to the IR. We'll discuss that coming up next. Thank you to Rich Gannon for joining us here on the Lombardi line. We continue. It's V Sin, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi... Once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, go for a huge score during the big game with BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Simply place and download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on pro football's final game. You know what that game is. It's coming up tomorrow. Regardless of your outcome, you're going to win $200 if either team scores a touchdown. That's going to happen. You're going to win the money for new bettors over at BetMGM. SB200 is the code. And again, you'll also earn MGM reward points that you can redeem for room nights and dining at MGM Resorts nationwide. So it's only available at BetMGM. You have to use that bonus code Super Bowl SB200. And again, bet 10 bucks on either team, the Bengals or the Rams. If they score a touchdown, you're going to win $200 paid for in free bets. 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. Okay, we're getting closer and closer to Super Bowl 56 as we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line. This is VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Patrick Maher. Starting to feel, I'm, when I walked in, Michael Lombardi, of course, there at the Borgata in Jersey. When I walked in at 6.30, the line was already yeah. there. I mean, the, the line yeah. was already here. It's unbelievable. Yeah, this hotel's packed. I mean, I think Thomas has sold out over the weekend as much as they can because they're still having a hard time getting a lot of help. But in terms of the rooms, they've got over 2,800 rooms available. They can't they can't use them all because of the the staffing issues. But I think they're going to get over about 80% full. And you could tell this is a holiday weekend here. I mean, uh, even though we don't get the Monday off, but it is a holiday weekend. They do have the Monday off in Cincinnati. I believe they, I, I they, they gave it. They gave the, they gave the students the day off the next day on Monday. And, and well, they should. I mean, you know, right, right. I mean, I think it really would be good to have everybody to get the day off. I mean, seriously, this is, you know, we got to go through the commercials. We got to analyze the game. I mean, the game won't get over till 10 o'clock by the time all the commercials are done. And, you know, you can't go to sleep after the emotion of the game. So, you know, be a lot. I mean, I, I think it, it really should be a rule. I mean, it is our it is our game. It's our signature sport. And why not make it a holiday? <laughs> Yeah, get on that, President. Let's make this. Let's get this on a federal yeah, let's level. See if we right? get this, let's see if we can get this done. Yeah, I mean, let's let's see if we can get this moving. You know. 
So Rich Gannon thinks it's going to be tight. He, if he was going to yeah. take the points, he'd take the Bengals. But he brought up the offensive line. Now, what makes doing a show with you special is we can talk about the trenches because while it's not sexy, last year the trenches were the difference. And, you know, it was. Patrick Mahomes was running for his. I thought actually Patrick Mahomes played well in the game last year dealing with what he dealt with. And we may be able to flip that and talk about Burrow sacked nine times by the Titans, right? Sacked once yeah. last week by the Chiefs. So what changed there with this protection? Well, I, I think ultimately they cleaned it up. They tried to stay in some seven-man protections. They tried to help out. No holding calls were in the game either, you know, and so that, that did. But here's where I think Rich made a great point. So the protection schemes being run in Cincinnati are exactly the same protection schemes that they run in Los Angeles. When Zach Taylor flew into Cincinnati, he used the same terminology, the same protection schemes. So Raheem Morris has kind of played against this, and Sue, so has Lou Amaroro. He has too. So they both know it. Now, what Rich made the great point of is are you going to stay in some seven man you're going to leak a guy out are you going to be able to stay in some six man how are you going to handle it because when you play against a bad line and you're Raheem Morris the defense coordinator of the Rams you're saying look I want everybody to block one-on-one -on -one. I don't want to be able to get double teams anywhere. So typically what that means is you try to cover up the inside guys, play two guys outside, and then see how they're going to handle it. And I think that's going to be the biggest issue for the Bengals is how are they going to do it. And I thought Tennessee did a great job confusing Burrow, kind of bringing different pressures. When he went into that empty mode and he was in 5-0 protection, they were able to bring a guy off the edge that, that Burrow didn't block, and Burrow didn't really have a hot over there. That's why I asked the question yes. with Rich. I said, Rich, like, was this on Burrow, or did, did they just not read the hot? Like, they didn't. there was no hot to throw. And if you make him hold this football like the Chiefs tried to do, the Chiefs took away Chase. I mean, Chase didn't have a game the last game. The ball went to Higgins. Then all of a sudden, if he holds it for that second, I mean, Donald's going to be in the backfield. There's neither of these interior players for the Bengals, from the left guard to the right guard, they're not going to block Donald. they got to double Donald on every single play. And if, I'm, and if I'm Sean McVay, I'm walking over to the umpire, and I'm saying, if you let them get away with holding, then just give them the Super Bowl right now. I'm going to look him right in the eye, and I'm going to say, if you let him get away with holding today, just give him the trophy right now. Yeah, you mentioned Donald Miller playing well. The reason I bring up the offensive front for the Bengals is it's going to play a major role, obviously. But those nine sacks that Burrow took, where was the culpability? Meaning, can he fix it in the Super Bowl? Because the one sack against the Chiefs, the nine against the Titans, is this more on Burrow, or is this just a leaky line? Well, it's a leaky line, but also let's face it here now. You know, when we when you go back and watch that tape, I mean, Burrow should have been sacked about four times in the chief in the chief game. They just didn't get him on the ground. I mean, he just he was Houdini. He got out of it, right? So he didn't. And they didn't call holding whatsoever. So for me, you know, I think what's got to happen is, is, is if I'm Raheem Morris, I'm saying, look, I know Corbett can't block him, right? There's no chance Corbett can block him. Brian Allen can't block him. Right, And then David Edwards can't block him. So I've got to find a way. I'm going to get Donald on one of these guys, whether it's Edwards outside shoulder or whether it's Corbett. I don't want to play him at the end. I don't want to put him outside. They do that sometimes. I don't want to do that because I want to be able to play him inside, and I want to take the slide away from him. The slide meaning I take the center and slide to to Donald, right? So if I line Donald up on the outside shoulder of the left guard, and that would be David Andrews, David Edwards, right? I line him up over there. The center slides left. Okay, there's two blocking one. But if the center has somebody over him, now they've got to do a full slide, right? Now they've got to bring the guard down, and that leaves the tackle on the island. That's Prince is on an island. That ain't good. 
Trust me, there's no <laughs> island, including Gilligan's, that Prince wants to be on, right? There's no chance. And so there's all sorts of different machinations that Raheem Morris is going to play through that are going to be really hard for them to, to block if they rush five. And I think that's what they did. They made the 49ers because they didn't respect the 49ers offensive line. They said, you, you know, as good as you are, Kyle, running, as, as brilliant as you are, Mike McDaniel, in a run game, you can't block anybody. You have to be able to edge it off. And they couldn't do it. Now, conversely, the Rams, and this starts up front with the Bengals. Joby's a big loss. You know, they're giving up six yards of carry in the postseason, and they lost Joby in a wild card round against the Raiders. In the middle, that's a big miss for them. How does the Rams' offensive front stack up against the Bengals' defensive front? Well, the Rams' offensive line isn't great. I thought they played well against Tampa, though. I thought they really did. I thought they held their own against Tampa. Tampa didn't gain an advantage in that game. And I thought last week against San Francisco, even San Francisco's offensive defensive front usually dominates the game. They didn't. And it wasn't because of home field advantage. It's just because I thought the Rams played better in that game. And I think that's what they have to do. They've got to handle the edges, and they've basically put it on the quarterback. Look, we can't let Hendrickson get off the edge. We've got to be able to handle this edge, step up in the pocket. We've got to win inside with our offensive line. So, you know, I, I think that's kind of where it's going to go. Hendrickson is a hell of a – the Saints, I don't know how he – the Bengals, that is – he's a hell of an edge. And so, yeah, he did. You know, he, he really – it's it's interesting that we talked the offensive front because that really was the difference last year. Burrow, he seems completely unaffected. But as you mentioned, eventually that eye level is going to change. It has to because he sees he sees Donald inside, right? And he sees him in there and, and I and I was reading and I was talking about the Rams line. I made a mistake in the last, but he sees these guys and he knows he knows Span can't block them, right? He knows Hopkins can't block them. And, and the right guard who I can't say his name, he knows he can't block them. So all those matchups are horrible. And, and, and Raheem Morris knows this. Now, they brought up Sebastian Day, the kid that was on IR, too, which tells me, you know, they're going to try to rotate as many of their defensive front guys as they possibly can. Day was a starter for him, and he was a good player. You know, so Day and Darnold inside, and then they've got, they've got all these other guys they want to rotate through. They put Robinson sometimes down in there. And, and none of them, Greg Gaines, they can't block. I mean, this is a tough matchup all the way through for the, for the Bengals, where the Bengals gain the one advantage against the Rams defense is when they get Higgins in a one-on-one -on -one situation against Dayon or against Williams because Higgins is six foot four. These two guys are about 5'11". So it's a basketball game. Throw it to Higgins. Burrow sacked more than any quarterback in the NFL this year at 51. The Rams averaged 2.8 per regular season, although over the last three, just one seven. And I, I don't think the Rams had a sack last week in the conference championship. So those numbers have, have, have slipped back a but little bit. But they had pressure. But they had pressure, and that's the difference, right? The difference is the ball's got to come out quicker. The difference is you got pressure around you. Sacks are really overrated in terms of when we look at it. It's right. something that you see, okay, there's, they've got five. But really what you want is pressure. You want that ball. Think about this play. Jared Goff's got Brandon Cooks wide open, zero blitz against the New England Patriots. If he throws this, it's a touchdown. He throws it one-eighth of a second too soon because he didn't want to get hit. And that is the essence of what you beat quarterbacks with, pressure. He threw it a little bit early, and it was an interception. If he waited just a tad longer, it's a touchdown. And that little, that little slurve right there is the difference between what, as Rich said, what makes a good quarterback bad and a great quarterback good.
Is there a question, both teams, the biggest question mark is, has got to be that Bengals offensive front, yes? The biggest one right away. It's the first thing we're going to focus on. And once we get past the pro football focus grades for all the offensive linemen, that'll be high. Once we get past that, we'll get to the game. And we bring it up because the biggest question last year, the Kansas City Chiefs offensive front. It still matters, people. And, of it course, matters. It matters. a big-time win by the Bucks. Michael Lombardi, the greatest show on television. The greatest show on turf is next. Mike Martz is going to join us. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.